Hello, podcast. Claire Tuning here, your host, your non-diet registered dietitian behind, yep, you guessed it, the yours, Chuli podcast reporting for duty. I salute you for episode 89 here on our show. We are really getting up there with those episode numbers. I hope wherever you are tuning in from today, you are well, you are finding ways to take care of yourself in this challenging, stressful, full insert appropriate adjective here time. I am recording this intro on April 20th, 2020. I am a little over a month, personally speaking, into my self-quarantine. I, yeah, have been in one place for a long while now, as I'm sure you can resonate with as well. But one thing that I do love doing in my quarantine time is tuning into a variety of podcasts. So if that is you as well, if you are arriving here to learn something, to hear from a a new individual, a guest here on the podcast, you have come to the right place. So a little weather update. Why don't we? What else is there to talk about in many, many days of staying home back to back to back? But I don't know about where you are. But where I am here in the southern part of Virginia, fairly close to West Virginia, where I am currently at the moment, I celebrated, I use that term very loosely, but I got, maybe as a more appropriate term, my first sunburn a couple of weeks ago, like uh, maybe three weeks ago at this point. It was like 84 degrees Fahrenheit. It was beautiful. Blue skies overhead. I was like, this is awesome what a great way to spend some time outside while in quarantine. And now this weekend, today, it has turned to like parka weather once again. It's rainy. It's cold. I don't know what has happened, but mother nature, maybe she is feeling a little ill as well. So uh, I don't know why every time I come on to record an intro, I feel compelled to talk about the weather. I don't know. Maybe it's something we can all relate on to to a certain extent at least, but there you go. Meteorologist Claire reporting for duty. Now, before I dive into today's episode, introducing our wonderful and incredibly fun to talk to guest, we have to cover our Yours Julie Goal Slayered featured post of the week, and then we will get right into it. So if you are new, to our podcast here. This is a brief segment that I offer at the beginning of every episode where I share a post from our free private Facebook community focused on all things intuitive eating, making peace with food, busting down food rules, silencing the food police, all things considered. So if you are not there hanging out with us already, I will share how you can come join us at the end of our little little segment here. So this is a post that comes from one of my current clients actually, and it's not really focused on our work together, but it was rather something she saw and she thought it would be great to share with our community. So she writes, I saw this and immediately thought of the group. Have a great day, everyone. 
And here's a photo here. Now I know you can't see the photo if you're tuning in on the podcast, but it's one of those desk calendars that you rip off a page as every day of the year progresses. And it has the date at the top. It has a cute little quote or a reminder. I know you've seen those before. Some are funny, some have memes, some are themed. Like I used to have one that was like yoga cats. <laughs> it's like pictures of cats doing yoga poses and they had little positive reminders. Anywho, hers is a beautiful one with some sunflowers at the bottom, but it says as the reminder, I monitor my self-talk today, making sure that it is supportive of me and others. So nothing really gigantic to say about this post here, but I wanted to feature it as a lead into this episode because today's guest and I, we talk a lot about the language we use to describe ourselves, to describe others, and how we can create a supportive environment around food and bodies, not only for ourselves, but also all of those who live and eat and roam the world around us. So again, thank you to this client of mine for sharing her her desk calendar reminder with us. I need to get one of these for my desk here. I actually completely forgot about them until she posted about this. So I was like, wow, how fun. I need to get back on that train. But if you are wanting to join our Facebook community, if you are interested in intuitive eating, if you want to learn some tips, tricks, and tools on how to take the principles and implement them into your daily life while doing so in the community of a lot of like-minded people, we would love to have you. So again, the community is free and open to join, but I do have a brief questionnaire or application that I will have you fill out before joining so you can get an understanding of how the community works, the ground rules that we operate by to keep this space supportive for all who enter. So if you're looking for that application, first way you can find it is in my bio on Instagram. And then the second way you can find it is if you type in yours truly goal slayers on Facebook, hit request to join, and then I will find you from there to send the application your way. So again, we would love to have you, but without further ado, my super fancy transition music that will never die. I mean, you all enjoy that as much as I enjoy (laughs) making that little sound, right? I don't need a fancy soundboard when I have my vocal cords. Why would I do anything different? But as I said at the beginning of the episode, I am truly, truly excited to introduce today's guest. Her name is Victoria Wellsby. And what I will say as I am introducing her, a couple of things about this episode before I give her bio. First is Victoria and I actually recorded this before the COVID-19 pandemic became something that was really at the forefront of all of our minds. So that is why you don't really hear us mention or talk about everything that is going on now is because we recorded this before we knew this was going to be as big and as challenging of a thing as it is now. So second thing that I will mention is there is some adult language in this episode. So if you typically listen to the Yours Truly podcast with your youngins around, with your little sponges, with your counterparts, and you want to be mindful that they don't hear 
anything that you would not like them to, I encourage you to hit pause on this episode and come back at a time when you are alone, not with young ears around, but I really, really, really encourage you to come back because this is one of my favorite episodes to date. I learned so much from Victoria. So if you are choosing to pause right now, please write yourself a reminder and come back because I do not want you to miss this. But Getting back to what I was saying a couple of moments ago, Victoria is the world leading body confidence expert. I am taking this from her website, fiercefatty.com. I have clicked on about, and then who the heck are you? (laughs) Who the heck is Victoria Wellsby? So she is an anti-diet pro fatty body acceptance coach, TEDx speaker, best-selling author, and the badass babe behind Fierce Fatty. So I highly encourage you if you have not checked out her TED talk already. If you haven't, what are you doing? Are you living under a rock? Don't worry, I was living under that same rock. Before I was introduced to Victoria, I had not seen her TED talk, but I highly encourage you to go and find it. If you type in Victoria Wellsby TED talk, it is the first Google search to come up, or you can search I am fat Victoria Wellsby, and it will come up there too. I have to say, And this is coming from a very honest and genuine place. I've watched a lot of TED Talks in my life. I think they're a great way to learn, experience new perspectives, and hear from different voices. But hers was most definitely the most entertaining TED Talk that I have ever watched. And it has a very special surprise, a twist at the end. So I'm going to leave it there. I'm not going to give too much away if you haven't checked it out already. But again, check it out if you are curious. So in this episode here, Victoria and I start to dive into how fat phobia, first of all, what that is, where do we learn it? Where does it come from? How that can get in the way or really be a challenging sticking point in one's intuitive eating journey, in one's process to making peace with food and their body. So if you're curious, if this is a new topic to you, if you are wanting to learn about intuitive eating, but not only from the food perspective, I highly encourage you hit play, or I guess you've already hit play, But keep hitting play, keep listening to this episode here because you are in for a treat. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Victoria Wellsby. I hope you enjoy and I'll be back at the end of the episode. All right, podcast, welcome back to another episode of the Yours Truly podcast. I'm sitting here camera to camera with my new friend, Victoria. So how are you today coming from Ireland? Yes. Yes, yes. So um, we're coming from Ireland today. Hopefully, the internet connection will will uh, will will handle the distance between us. And uh, I'm super excited to be here, Claire. Thank you for letting me uh, come on the show. I'm I'm just feeling good today. Well, I am happy to hear that. You, for anyone who's listening, before we hit record, Victoria showed me the view outside of her window, and it is beautiful yet very gloomy. So I'm happy to hear that you're <laughs> feeling good and energized, regardless of what the weather might be like over there where you are. And yes, we'll cross our fingers that our internet connection stays stable amidst the thousand miles <laughs> that might be between us right now. So yeah. um, before we hop into who you are and, and what you do and all of that fun stuff, 
off, I did brief you that we have a little game show that we like to play here with any guest on the Yours Truly podcast. So it is called This or That. And my first question for you, Victoria, when it comes to entertainment, uh, television shows uh, specifically, do you prefer comedy or drama? Oh, drama, drama, drama. Anything which is uh, murder, mystery, detective, that type of stuff. I just can't get enough of it. Oh, okay. I yeah. like that. I, I think if I was faced with that question, I would give the catch-all answer of, I can't decide. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just like a massive creep. I'm like, oh, does it have serial killers? Then I want to watch it. You know, like what's wrong with me sort of thing. Yeah. yeah so. Are you a big fan of, I know they have a lot of podcasts about like mystery or murder mystery. Are you a fan of those podcasts at all? I probably listen to about 17 hours a day of murder, <laughs> murder podcasts. I fall asleep listening to um, murder, um, also like con people, con artists, um, that kind of stuff like that. I just love it, which is unsettling really that I fall asleep to it, but I just love it. It's so calming. You know, it's a, a little bit unsettling. I would say that you find that calming <laughs> enough. <to possibly do. laughs> I don't know if I would agree personally, but you know, to be honest, I think that is the most interesting thing I've learned about a guest in the first minute of hitting record. So, you oh, there we go. <laughs> oh, well, great. I'm so pleased. But I, I guarantee you, there are so many people listening who are like, mm-hmm, me the same. Like it's a whole genre of weirdos who like falling asleep to murder podcasts. Yeah. So that's why I know I love- I'm not alone. I love it. That's why I love opening up with some of these like weird, obscure questions because you never know who's going to connect with you before they even learn about you, which is the awesome part of this. So second question, a little bit less uh, murder mystery focused, but when it comes to beverages, do you prefer coffee or tea? Oh, so my heritage means that I must drink uh, tea, uh, orange pico tea, Um, at least a gallon a day but because I've lived in North America for the last 10 years it makes me more of a coffee drinker so um, it depends where I am so currently I'm in Ireland so I'm a a tea but when I'm in North America then coffee. Okay so it's uh, dependent on geography. I like that. I I came prepared to our conversation with my coffee as you can see. I have lived in North America my entire life so I'm very much inclined to the coffee route. (laughs) Yes. I love it. Um, Whereas if you if you come to the UK if you come to the UK tea is such a cultural thing like you need to know how to make a beautiful cup of tea if not then people will just be like what is wrong with you? How dare you make a cup of tea that looks like this and not like this? And, you know, the color of your tea says something about you as a person, too much milk, and then you're like, you know, a weak person and, and too much this or too much. Yeah, it's, it's, very, it's very political tea in the wow. UK. Yeah. Well, that's some tea, as they would say. You know, like it the, is. Is, like spill the tea. I, I learned that recently. I feel like I'm about uh, a couple months behind the trend, but that's some tea that you just shared. It is, yeah. Uh, so... Next one, one, I might be able to assume just based on what you have shared so far, but do you prefer to travel? Like, are you a traveler at heart or are you a homebody at heart? Oh, this is a hard one because I love 
I love the fact that my business allows me to be location independent and the thought of being stuck in one place doesn't make me happy. But when I am somewhere, I do like spending a lot of time watching Netflix and being inside. So it's a, it's a 50, 50 one. So homebody, but in international locations. I will accept that answer. That's a very unique answer. It's like, I will travel and be in a bunch of different places, but once I'm there, I want to be in a cozy environment. Is that kind of, yeah, exactly. Yes, 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 yes. So yeah, that's me. That is me. (laughs) Victoria in a nutshell. Uh, Next one, when it comes to food, do you prefer sandwiches or wraps? Like what? Oh God. Of, uh, Easy sandwiches yeah. all the way. Wraps can go to hell. They wraps, wraps. Who wants to get a wrap? It's just no, no sandwiches all the way. That is a, a very strong opinion towards wraps. I'm curious, did a wrap ever hurt you in any way, perform? Like, what did wraps do to you? Wraps are just cold and wet and slimy. <laughs> and but if you make a wrap into a burrito, now that's mm. a different story. But if it's a cold wrap with like just some like wilted lettuce and oh no it's the shit's nasty oh yeah. thank you i see where you're going with like the wilted lettuce because I, I do have this very vivid memory of a wrap when i was younger i was like i'm gonna make my lunch the day before so i don't feel rushed in the morning and then i got to my my wrap i typically did sandwiches but i did a wrap i like took a bite and there's this like long stringy piece of like spinach <laughs> wilted. See? so yeah i told you wraps are made from the sport it's like the devil the devil's food would be a wrap no unless it comes in burrito form so there's like a very fine line like cold wraps yeah yeah cold wraps no warm wraps yes yeah so okay (laughs) a a very nuanced answer as we can see (laughs) the final question that i have for you in our game show segment uh this is a little bit more of a generic question but i thought i would throw it in there are you a cat person or a dog person what do you prefer Mm. well when i was a kid i was obsessed with cats because we have a lot in the we had a lot in the neighborhood and i really wanted one but now um the i own a dog and he's the best thing in the world and so i'm obsessed with dogs because they because they really love you where cats are more aloof they love you but they're in their own way and i want neediness i want an animal to desperately love me and need me so yeah doggies doggies for me Cats are such curious creatures. I always had cats growing up. I've never owned a dog, although I find corgis to be so cute. Like, I just love looking at them. I watch corgi videos all day long. But <laughs> cats, I find that they they want love and attention on their own terms, right? Exactly. They want to decide, right? do I want attention today? Do uh, I want and a cat isn't... Yeah. Oh, and dog when when you come home a dog is like yes oh my god you're home and you know anything you do like my dog give him breakfast it's the best thing in the world take him for a walk it's the best thing in the world give him a hug it's the best thing in the world he's just constantly excited where cats are just like meh whatever yeah i would agree with that I, i feel like when i was younger i would get home and my cat would just like be asleep she would raise her head and be like I guess that's okay that you're back. Like, I don't really care that you <laughs> yeah. left in the first place, but hey, yeah, welcome back. Um, yeah. So I, I very much agree that if you want that, that animal affection, like I, I want to be excited that you're home, I, I think dogs would be the best bet for sure. Yeah. So yes. 
Thank you for going along with our fun opening game show theme to the series, This or That. I'm hoping that anyone and everyone who is listening maybe learned something unique about you, loves dogs, hate raps, falls asleep to murder mystery podcasts. <laughs> hey, we have a, a really good picture of who you are so far. So beyond all of that fun stuff, I would love for you to take a moment to introduce yourself, say who you are and what you do for anyone who does not know you, who hasn't heard of you yet, they will after this podcast, but give a little insight as to who you are. Yeah, so um, my name is Victoria Wellsby, and you might know me on the internet webs as Fierce Fatty. And what I do is I teach fat people to love their body, stop dieting um, and using intuitive eating to get, get to that place of body neutrality and food freedom. And um, I wasn't always the person you might be listening to right now. I used to be terrified of everything in life, was very shy and um, really hated my body and had a very disordered relationship with food. And then I discovered fat positivity and I never looked back. And um, yeah, so it's my life's mission to say to everyone, hey, did you know it's okay to be fat? And so that's what I'm doing. Yeah. And I, I love the fact too, that you said you can travel, you can work wherever. So you really have this mobile business of helping people from wherever you are. So I, I'm kind of curious because you mentioned that it wasn't always this way for you. You didn't always feel um, capable to talk about intuitive eating or live not on a diet or to accept yourself as you were. But I, I'm kind of wondering, was this kind of like a all of a sudden, like one moment realization where it was like, oh my goodness, I have to do this? Or was it kind of more of a slow, gradual realization? Like how did you come mm. across what you're doing now? Was it all at once or was it kind of an idea that crept up on you and grew day by day, month by month? Mm. So a kind, of, kind of a little bit of both. So I am a high achiever. I'm trying to stop being so much of a high achiever um, because it comes from a place of lack. But um, I was quote unquote great in every single area of my life. So um, uh, great boyfriend, great place to live, great job. I was the best um, in my job in the, in the company. Um, I had my shit together or so I thought, but I could just never get thin. And I was like, well, I can do anything that I set my mind to, but why can't I just get thin? thin this is so embarrassing people are looking at me and they're like oh why what's wrong with her why can't she just be thin like she has everything else together and um so going to therapy and I just be like I just need to you know, I need to fix my brain so that I can become thin um, because there's something wrong in my brain I just need to decide that I can become thin like I thought it was you know something wrong with me and through therapy, kind of slowly coming to the realization that, huh, has any diet worked in the past for me? No. Uh, was I happier when I was thinner? No. But still the idea that um, it's, it's, you're allowed to be fat um, was not even in my brain whatsoever. That wasn't even an option. And then one day on the internet, I stumbled across Reagan Chastain's blog, which is called Dances with Fat. And I was like, what the hell 
do what do you mean it's okay to be fat what do you mean fat people can be healthy what do you mean fat people deserve respect and rights and be to be treated like people and i remember I remember at the time, um, my, my boyfriend at the time being in bed and, and turning to him and being like, did you know this? Like, what? This is, this is wild. And it was just a switch. Never once did I want to go back on a diet. Never once did I think I need to lose weight. And um, I learned, started to learn intuitive eating and it just spiraled from there. Yeah. So it it kind of sounds like the seed was planted a little bit earlier on where you were working through some of these concepts and you were piecing together. Well, has this worked for me in the past? Like, okay, this kind of makes sense, but it sounds like that one moment where you stumbled upon her blog was kind of when all of the pieces fit together. And it was like that light bulb moment of, oh my God of course, right? Yeah. That's kind of how it sounds. So something that I'm kind of wondering here, I mentioned before we hit record that I took the liberty of watching your TEDx talk a little bit earlier this morning. And I'll pause here for a moment for anybody who hasn't seen that. Would you mind sharing what it is called? Because I highly recommend anyone to watch it. Maybe pause the podcast now and go watch it or watch it later. But what is it called for anyone who has never heard that? Uh, so you could find it by just Googling uh, Victoria Wellsby TEDx talk and it's called I am fat, how to love your body at any size. And I did that talk two years ago and watch till the end of the talk because there is a very big surprise that a lot of people love. Some people are offended by, but a lot of people are like, oh my God, that was amazing. Yeah. You actually kind of read my mind because that's where I'm going with this topic and this question. But um, I I was watching it and then I shared with you a little bit earlier that you had me smiling and laughing at some points with your sense of humor, which shines through the mic here. And also you had me thinking at a lot of points as well. And something that I decided to do after that TED talk, because as you said, if you watch till the end, there will be an ending that I have never seen on a TED or TEDx stage before. (laughs) It was very refreshing based on all of the things that I've seen. But I scrolled down to a couple of the comments and something that I found very frequently there was, I wish that I could be as confident as she is, or I wish that I could feel that way about my journey or or my body. So what I'd kind of love to dive into is how did you get to that place? Now, I know that is a giant question and there is probably a lot of years and a lot of self-work that was done there, but from the moment that you kind of ran across Reagan Chasting's blog and everything kind of came together and that light bulb moment happened for you, what were maybe some of the biggest steps or the biggest things that you did between that time and stepping on that TEDx stage to do something that, again, I have never seen before. I don't know if it's ever been done. How did you get to that place? Does that make sense? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is a great question because a lot of times people look at me and they look at the things that I do. Like for example, uh, yesterday I posted a video of me at this uh, poser pool in Vancouver, which is, you know, where all the, uh, you know, fancy people in Vancouver will go and, and, and for a swim in a string bikini, just, behaving like a massive twat and rolling around in the pool and doing lunges and like kissy faces at the camera and stuff. And I didn't care who looked at me. And so I just posted that video yesterday. And so people will look at that version of me and think, 
this is just too impossible. Like this is so far from where I um, am and I can't relate to, I can't relate to her because this is like you say, a lot of people say, I wish I could have her confidence. Now, um, a lot of the time I, I remind people, um, I used to be the person who wouldn't want to go to the pool or, you know, the person who, if I did go to the pool, it would be a mad sprint getting from the changing room to the pool. So I could hide my body as quick as possible because I didn't want anyone looking at me, um, wearing a, make sure that everything is black, uh, wearing a t-shirt, um, never wearing things like shorts because I didn't want people to see my legs. And I used to be in that place. And what um, got me from there to where I am now, and you're absolutely right, there's loads of different things and lots of years of therapy and all that type of stuff. But the, the core thing, which most people don't do, is to take action, even when they are shitting their pants with fear, even when they are terrified. And the action can just be a teeny tiny little thing. So I didn't go from, you know, being terrified to even go to the pool to the next week wearing a string bikini doing lunges. I went from wearing a black swimsuit to maybe wearing a black swimsuit with a little bit more color on and then maybe buying a bikini and wearing it just in my bedroom for no one else to see and then never wearing it again. And then the next step might be to wear the bikini around the house. And then the next step might be to wear it in the garden and then building up your confidence like that. And um, something that that changed my life, my sister sent me a quote by Nelson Mandela. I'm going to totally butcher the quote, but the essence of the quote is, um, courage is not the absence of fear. It's feeling the fear and doing it anyway. And so you could look at someone like me and be like, she's never scared. She's never has any self doubt. She never X, Y, Z. But if you're not feeling a bit scared, then you're not experiencing growth. And so I'm always terrified of something, you know, because I want to grow. And so what is that thing that you're scared to do in regards to your own journey? And it could be eating something which is scary. It could be wearing um, something which is scary for you. And what is the smallest step that you can take to move yourself forward? Something which is not dramatic um, because it could, you know, traumatize you, but something small to move yourself forward. Um, and, and it's not going to take a day. It's going to take all these little small steps together. And then you'll be able to look back and be like, Oh my God, I can't believe that I've gone from there to here. And all it took was all these little steps. Yeah. And, and I think the idea of little, little steps is refreshing and it makes this like big, scary goal seem a little bit more attainable in the short run. But something that I see often, I don't know if you see this or have felt this or lived through this as well, <clears throat> excuse me, but I feel like diet culture really teaches us what quote unquote progress in any journey looks like, right? Because it slams these timestamps of like 30 days six weeks, um, two weeks, right? So we really have in our mind, if I'm not taking that huge jump and seeing all of these changes, either in my relationship with food or movement or my body, then I'm not doing enough. I'm not enough, right? Do you see that? You're nodding your head. So I'm thinking. This yes. Yeah. 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 And, and that's, um, 
another way that diet culture is totally fucked up because it's treating you like this entity that isn't a human, like you don't have a brain, that you life doesn't um, you know, happen. And um, on, the, on the other side of that is uh, we are trying to do these things which are legitimately scary and potentially dangerous um, in regards to our mental health. And we are trying to go against a whole lifetime of messaging saying you shouldn't eat that. You shouldn't wear that. You need to look like this. You have to have a thigh gap. You have to do all of these millions, literally millions and billions of messages we've received for however long you've been alive. And then you're trying to spin it on its head. And then the next day go out and be like, Oh my God, I feel like Lizzo. Oh my God, I'm amazing. And it's like, you have to be kinder to yourself to, and give yourself time to heal from the abuse and the violence that is diet culture, that is fat phobia, the patriarchy, and all of those other systems that hurt us. Yeah. And something earlier that you were saying too reminded me a lot of the work that I do with clients because I take it very much from the food perspective, but you were talking about your experience of I didn't go from being all covered up and terrified at the pool to walking around in my red string bikini, right? One day it was maybe I'll wear this at home in an environment that feels comfortable. Maybe I'll shed one layer the next time I go. And I think um, that very much parallels to our relationship with food as well, right? You know, if I'm working with a client or if someone who is listening now is thinking in their minds, I have 7,000 fear foods or like everything feels scary. And I know intuitive eating tells me that I want to make peace with food and I can have these foods around. That's awesome to have as the end goal, but we're not going to sit here and say on day one of the journey, go out and buy all of the things that you're afraid of and bring them into your house because that makes that feel like a not so safe or pleasant environment. So we start by saying, well, what might we want to tackle first? And would it be more comfortable to eat that in an out to eat setting? Or would you want to bring that into your house, right? How are you going to feel when you do that? What is that going to look like? So really kind of taking those little steps to that end goal day by day and knowing that progress accumulates over time, kind of like you were saying. So something else that I would love to dive into, and this is something that we've kind of hinted at a little bit so far, but it's something that you actually brought up in some of our previous conversations before this episode as a topic or something that we could dive into, but we're kind of bridging the gap here between intuitive eating and some of the the body work that you do with individuals. And something that I love your opinion on or your thoughts on is how does this sense of fat phobia or the fear of our bodies changing or being bigger than society deems quote unquote good, how does that get in the way of one's journey to make peace with food, make peace with their body? Like what is the the disconnect there from your perspective? Yeah. So uh, really important uh, and great question. Um, so you cannot have food freedom if you do not tackle your own fat phobia and fat phobia being the fear of fat, the dislike or disdain of fat people. Um, and we are all fat phobic. I'm fat phobic. I have fat phobia that I have yet to discover, but it will come out from time to time. And I'll be like, oh my God, Victoria, where did that come from? But the acceptance, you are fat phobic, um, doesn't mean that you're a bad person. Um, 
but when you hold these fat phobic beliefs and we all have, hold different fat phobic beliefs that so some bit common ones are um if i eat this food i will become fat and then therefore i will become unhealthy and therefore i will die if i eat this food i will become fat and then i will uh, my partner will not like me anymore i will my partner will end our relationship i will be lonely and then i will die um, if you have that belief about the consequences of eating food, the, the belief that deep down you're going to be alone, you're going to be um, ostracized from your community, you're going to be shamed, those fears and feelings are so damn powerful that you will not be able to recover and find food freedom and food peace because your perceived consequence of allowing yourself to eat the foods that you need to eat to recover. Um, when, when it's put it as like life or death, um, it's really easy to see how your own fat phobia is stopping you from feeling relaxed around food because really like none of us want to be alone and to die and to be unhealthy and all of those things. But those beliefs are not based in reality. They are not facts. They are beliefs. And the good thing about beliefs is that they can be changed. So if you're not working on your fat phobia, it's very, very unlikely that you will have food freedom. Yeah. And something that you said there in your response that really stood out to me that I'm guessing might have stood out to some of our listeners as well is that statement that you made that we are all fat phobic. We all have that tendency. We all have those beliefs. And I'm thinking that some of our listeners, even myself, they heard that and they're like, whoa, right. It's kind of like this defensive wall. It's like, I'm not. <laughs> right? yeah, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. So something that I talk a lot about with, you know, intuitive eating and in the work that I do, especially food related is we have to have awareness of a certain belief or a thought pattern before we can work to change that or learn more about it. So I kind of want to break this down into something that is super tactical for anyone who is listening, who maybe heard you say that. And they're like, what? <laughs> right? Like, mm. no, that's not me. How can we work to create a little bit more awareness that we even have those thoughts so that one day we can start asking more questions about them and getting under them? Because again, we can look at the end goal if I don't want these beliefs to control me, but we have to know what they are first, right? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Great question. It's because you can't change what you don't know, you know what's going on in your brain. Um, so just want to, to uh, preface this by saying, um, you know, it's okay that we're all fat phobic as in, you know, it's not okay because it sucks, but it's okay because um, it's, it would be incredibly surprising you are not fat phobic and you don't have fat beliefs because of the society that we live in is so dramatically fat phobic you would literally have to be walking around never looking at anything never seeing anything never hearing anything never interacting with society in any way for you for you not to be uh, fat phobic so um it's really about drilling down on how we are feeling and so um what i did there before in the last thing i you know i'm scared to eat this thing because i'm scared that it will make me fat uh, and if it makes me fat, it makes me unhealthy. And so the first belief is 
I feel frightened around this food. I feel anxious around this food. Um, and then thinking, why? Why? What is it? What is it about this? What, what do I fear that's going to happen? And a lot of times it will come back to, I fear that my body is going to change in ways that I am not comfortable with. Um, and you might say things like, well, it's okay for other people to be fat, but for me, I just, I really struggle with it. It doesn't feel good in my body. Um, that's fat phobia. Um, notice how whenever you see fat people, if you have any type of reaction, um, looking at very fat people. So go and look at images of uh, super fat people or infinity fat people, which is the terms within the fat positive community um, that we use for people who are on the higher end of the, the fat uh, uh, spectrum. And are any thoughts coming up? And you might have neutral thoughts. Um, but sometimes you might, maybe if you see a picture of a super fat person eating a pizza, maybe you're like, you have a split second thought of, oh, they shouldn't be eating that. And then you can go, ah, ha, ha, there's some fat phobia. Um, and so, for example, I, the last fat phobic thought that consciously came up into my mind that I can remember is um, I saw a very fat person walking in the street and using a, um, they, they were um, kind of, uh, they were using a, a cane and they had a limp. And my first thought that just popped into my head was if they weren't so fat, they would be able to walk without a limp. And then I caught myself and I was like, what the heck? Where did that come from? What? Because, you know, I work on my fat phobia. And so um, that was just a very helpful moment for me to catch that and say, Mm, no, Victoria, that's not based in reality. You know nothing about that person. You don't know what's going on in their life. Um, whereas uh, if you're not able to work on your fat phobia in that moment, you could have, um, I don't know, shouted at the fat person, not that normal people do that, but people right. do. Or you could have said to your, your friend who's walking with you, or maybe they should, you know, lose some weight or, you know, the, the traditional fat phobic way that we carry on in life. Um, but if you just catch yourself and notice, when you have a thought and dig deep into your fears and what does what what do your fears tell you and are those fears based in reality like can you be fat and healthy can you be fat and happy can you be fat and active um yes can you be fat and loved yes can you be fat and live for a very long time yes all of those things and so if you're like i don't know if you can then there's a wonderful space there for you to educate yourself about how fat people are just like any other person around there. We're just fat people are just people. We're just people around the world. Yeah. And I think it's so helpful as well that you're sharing a little bit about your own rather recent or the last one that you can remember in your own mind. Because again, kind of coming back to what we were mentioning with the TED Talk, I think people see individuals like your, yourself who have done a lot of work, who are more confident, who can have conversations like this. And our automatic assumption is they never struggle, right? They never go through these things. But I think it's so helpful that you're kind of humanizing yourself and being like, hey, 
we all have these thoughts, right? Even though I have been working on this for a while, I still catch myself kind of going into some of those automatic negative or assumptive thought patterns, which I think is super helpful to know that it's not something, again, kind of coming back to that like timestamp conversation. It's not something that we just quote unquote fix in like a week or two weeks, but it's something that we're always gaining more awareness around. So you touched on noticing those thoughts and saying, where did that come from? Is that rooted in reality? Does that really make sense? So let's say, cause I always like to boil down podcast conversations to be as tactical as possible in the tips and strategies that we can take away from them. So let's say someone is listening and they're nodding their head saying, okay, I can identify some experiences or um, things that I have been through in the past where I hear that voice of internalized fat phobia. I know it's there. Um, what might be a, a next step that someone can take once they know that the voice is there, but when it comes to challenging that belief saying, well, what else might be true or how can I overturn this? What if they're kind of coming to drawing a blank there? What if they're at a loss for challenging that belief because they simply don't know that fat people can move around and be active or can be healthy. Like what if they don't have the, the tools or the knowledge to bridge that gap? Where can they start looking? Yeah. So um, if you, you have a belief and you identify a belief that you have, um, you can choose to hold on to it, but you can also look at that belief and be uh, come to the conclusion that it is not helpful, helpful for you. And so, your fat phobic beliefs are probably not helpful for you and they're not uh, increasing your life satisfaction and happiness. And so uh, the simplest thing that you can do is to break down, okay, what is my, what is my belief here? Uh, my belief is that if I get a fat body, I will be unhealthy. Therefore, fat people are unhealthy. And so that is the belief. Fat people are unhealthy. So what is the new belief that you choose to accept into your life do you want to, to to continue believing that fat people are unhealthy all fat people are unhealthy most fat people are unhealthy or do you choose to say fat people can be healthy i can be healthy um health is not a barometer of my worth as a human being um, and then you've got these, these um, uh, statements that you can then drill into your brain the same way that the opposite statements have been drilled into your brain. And so having, if you've identified one belief that you really just want to banish from your brain, um, you can do everything possible to change it by um, writing out notes uh, around the house, um, making a reminder on your phone saying fat people can be healthy, I can be healthy, health is uh, not a barometer of my worth as a human being. Um, you can have uh, pictures up, you can have um, your passcode to be something like fat people can be healthy. You need to brainwash yourself because you've already been brainwashed to believe the things that aren't helpful. So you need to do the um, opposite and brainwash yourself with these new beliefs that you are choosing, which are more helpful for you and your mental health. 
I love that. I like the idea of brainwashing with beliefs that you choose and that are more helpful rather than the ones that you have unknowingly been brainwashed by just by living in the world that we all live in. So I I think that is a a really awesome toolbox of actionable tips and items that people can take away from this conversation as food for thought, for sure, even if they choose not to take action or do anything with it yet. But it's something to think about and just kind of start challenging some of those automatic thoughts that maybe before listening, they didn't even know were there. So I'd love to kind of connect people with where they can find you. I know you're up to a lot of really fun and really helpful things in your own business as well. So if someone is listening to this episode saying, I need more of Victoria, I need to learn from her, I need her as part of my brainwashing in the opposite direction, um, (laughs) where can they find you and what's the best way to get in contact with you and learn more about what you're up to? Yeah. So if you want to continue this fat positive brainwashing, yes, you want to, um, then you can find me everywhere um, as Fierce Fatty. Uh, I have um, my website is Fierce Fatty. My Instagram is Fierce.Fatty. My book is Fierce Fatty. My podcast is, let's guess, it's Fierce Fatty. Um, So yeah, Fierce Fatty, come find me. I've got lots of videos, things you can listen to, things that you can um, engage in, lots of free content um, to help you. Well, you've made it very simple for people to find you post-episode. You didn't create a a ton of new names or words for people to remember. It is just you. Is there a period between fierce and fatty or is it just fierce fatty? On Instagram, it's fierce.fatty because some other swine took fierce fatty (laughs) before me. How dare they? Um, Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Well, I'm very hopeful that anyone who has been listening, I have a blast talking to you. So hopefully they've had a blast listening, but they can come and find out your content and continue learning from you. But before we close out our episode here, any final comment, statement, thing that you want to put out into the podcast universe to share with our audience here on the Yours Truly pod before we sign off and say until next time. The one thing that I would want to to say is that it is possible. It is possible for you to get to a place of um, body acceptance, body love even. It is possible for you to get to a place where you don't think about food that much. It's just not a big deal. Um, If you've decided you want to get there, you will get there. So it's possible. I love it. Comes back to the the brainwashing with the thoughts that we choose, right? Choosing that I will get there. It is possible. I am not the odd one out who can never achieve or feel these things. So Victoria, thank you so much for being here on the podcast. I'm really hopeful that people have learned and have a lot to take away from you. So uh, podcast, that is all we have for today. So we will sign off as a team. Yours truly, Victoria. And Claire. There you have it, Podians. That is a wrap for episode 89 here on the pod. Again, a big thank you to Victoria Wellsby for taking some time out of her busy life and schedule to connect with us here to share some of her expertise, her lived experience. I really hope that you are walking away from this episode with a couple of new thoughts, maybe some challenged perspectives under your belt, and that you will keep joining us here on the 
yours truly podcast for more. So speaking of that, if you loved what we talked about on today's episode, if you want to keep these messages coming your way, the best way that you can show support for our show here is to like, love, share, subscribe, leave a rating and a review all of the above. So again, if you love what you were hearing, please take a few moments to tap those five stars, leave a review so that other people who could benefit from hearing these messages can find them. The internet gods can make sure that the podcast ends up on their doorstep. I don't really know how that works, but I do know the more that we rate and review podcasts, the more they will grow and reach those people. So again, thank you so much for sharing some of your day with us here on the podcast, and we will be back next Wednesday for another episode. But until then, take care, and we will talk soon.